Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that roams through the world of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including Daimler unveils the world's first self-driving truck. We hear about the just-released new Camry that will be the last model built in Australia. We road test the Mercedes C-Class station wagon. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith and Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including an underrated approach to cutting car commutes, peer pressure. Have a question or a comment, send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. German carmaker Daimler has unveiled the Freightliner Inspiration as the world's first self-driving truck authorised for use on public roads, with the US state of Nevada allowing it to operate on its public roads as a trial. Daimler tested the truck in Germany, but on a stretch of motorway with no other traffic on it. Daimler assumes that the truck will be safer and use 5% less fuel. They will be operating on highway standard roads. Head of Daimler's truck and bus division, Wolfgang Bernard, said the truck would make the driver's job less tedious and therefore more attractive, but would not be available before 2025. He said self-driving cars in urban settings, where traffic conditions are more complex, are even further off. And while on the subject of driverless vehicles, Adelaide could be a world pilot city for driverless cars. Now Federal Treasurer Joe Hockey has backed the state government's plans to use them to revolutionise the state's transport system. In an interview with the Adelaide Advertiser, Mr Hockey said driverless cars were an example of capacity-building infrastructure which could attract federal funding and also were a potential use of the national broadband network. Mr Hockey cited British testing of driverless cars on public roads, which started in February, that was backed by £19 million, or £37.3 Australian, in government funding. Nissan and BAE Systems, which have Adelaide divisions, are among firms involved in the trials. Earlier this year, the state government revealed plans to legislate for driverless vehicles, which will revolutionise transportation in SA. New child restraint evaluation program ratings show that of six tested child restraints, not one achieved a five-star protection rating. CREP awards each child restraint and booster seat a star rating for protection and ease of use, with five stars being the highest rating possible for each category. Out of the rearward-facing restraints, Chico Keyfit Plus and the Nuna Pippa both achieved four stars, while Stillcraft Strider scored a three-star safety rating. Two new Isofix restraints were tested. Isofix is an alternative car restraint attachment method that doesn't use an adult seatbelt. Only Isofix restraints that meet Australian standards are acceptable by law. The forward-facing restraint, Safe and Sound Truffix, received a four-star rating. The convertible restraint, the Maxi Cosa Euro, received a three-star protection rating when used in a rearward-facing position, but only two stars when used in a forward-facing position. The cost of tolls on new road projects continues to increase. A report in the Sydney Morning Herald suggests that the New South Wales Government will allow tolls on the new WestConnex project to be increased at a rate greater than inflation. 
When the huge project is opened, motorists will pay as much as $11 a trip. Tolls on the West Connects will be rated depending on how far you travel on the road, similar to the M7 motorway, which are increased with inflation. But tolls on the 33km West Connects motorway and the new 9km North Connects motorway in Sydney's northern suburbs will increase either at the inflation rate or at 4% a year, whichever is higher. Graffiti vandals are being arrested within moments of defacing train interiors, with a trial of new technology that automatically detects either spray paint or permanent marker, enabling Sydney trains to track and record offenders in real time. The trial is known as Mousetrap because it catches vandals in the act. An undisclosed number of Sydney trains have been fitted with the detection system, which so far has led to the arrest of more than 30 offenders. Mousetrap works by using an electronic chemical sensor which detects the vapour of both spray paint and marker pens. Live CCTV records and provides images directly to Sydney train staff. The Police Transport Command, PTC, can then be dispatched to quickly locate and arrest the vandals. Armed police in the UK were forced to protect a crash site after a truck believed to be carrying more than a million pounds in cash spilled its load. Officers carrying powerful rifles surrounded the vehicle after crates carrying coins littered the road in Swindon, Wilshire. Passers-by and fellow motorists claimed to have seen the lorry break hard as it approached a roundabout. As it did this, trolleys laden with coins, believed to be worth thousands, crashed through the front of its trailer. A spokesman for the truck company said the lorry was coin only and didn't contain notes and the cause of the crash was under investigation. A police spokesman said that there are firearms officers in attendance. And that has been the news. The Toyota Camry dominates its market segment. In the medium-sized vehicles, less than $60,000, the Camry outsells its nearest rival, the Mazda 6, by nearly 3.5 to 1. It accounts for 45% of that market share. And Toyota is stopping building them in Australia. So why do we need to upgrade to a new model? Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury has driven a new model and we'll get on to talking about that. But Brent, if I might just ask you about the the general medium-sized market under $60,000. It's the haves and the have-not. The top eight are all doing well, but the bottom two-thirds, which include some pretty good cars, Honda Accord, Kia Optima, Ford Mondeo, there's the Holden Malibu, but we won't talk about that, uh, the, the Honda Accord Euro, you know, all are dying by, you know, not just 10%, but up around a 40 to 80% reductions. It's a tough market. Absolutely, and if I had the uh, the answer to why um, th- that's happening, David, I wouldn't be sitting here behind a desk driving a computer, I can tell you, that I'd be in hot mm. demand from all the car manufacturers. But you're right, I mean, look, it's, all I can think of is that it's, it, it all comes down to two things, marketing and reputation. 
Mm. Um, Toyota has a fearsome reputation in in the entire world of, of automobiles. I mean, you know, how often do you see someone or hear someone absolutely singing the praises of their very very elderly Toyota? Um, and you go and look at the thing, and yes, it's just rolling along like it was when it was you know brand new twenty years ago. Uh, the same can't be said for other brands. And and on the other side of the coin, you hear so many people saying, "Oh, I had this whatever," and it just spent half its life in the dealership getting fixed. So, yeah, reputation, and yes, I would, would say that uh, marketing also has a bit to do with it. Yeah, you get behind the strength, which is probably particularly important for this type of the market. It's not wildly uh, outrageous sort of market. It is a conservative part of the market, isn't it? Well, yeah, and, and I, I had to have a little bit of a giggle at the uh, at the national launch of the car the other day when uh, Toyota said it was... Uh, pushing the Camry down towards the more youth-oriented uh, end of the market. And uh, <laughs> youth-oriented is 29 to 50. I think yeah. with, with, with the emphasis on 50. So, look, let's, let's, not, um, <laughs> let's not get carried away. <laughs> it, it is a, a very impressive car and, and made even more so by the fact that Toyota has rolled back the prices to a severe degree. I mean, you, you're talking about $26,500 just to step into the entry-level car. Well, that, that's the price of many a car from the uh, smaller categories. Well, yeah, look, it's, it's about a $3,000 step up from, from a Corolla into that car. So, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a big stretch to get more, more tin for your dollar. How much did they spend on the changeover to make the upgrade? Did you, you got that figure? Yeah, $108 million. They're doing that much cheaper than they used to do it in the past. Still, 108 million to 108. That you know, that's a, a big call given that they're moving out of the market. Well, yeah. Well, let's not forget though, David, that that a lot of the work on this car, the the, the styling work, the, the the redo, not the actual development work, was done at uh, Toyota's Calti uh, uh, in, in, Institute in, in uh, California. California. So they've they've. Had, because essentially what we've got is, is the American body style with a few differences, a few, a few detail differences. Uh, and then uh, it, was, it was brought to Australia and, and uh, run around here, tuned up for Australian conditions and, and had a few little extras added. I mean, we have, we have a new model, actually, old name, but new model that's it's, um, it's unique to Australia. And that's the Atara SX, which gets for the first time in Toyota history, 18-inch wheels. Oh. So we, yeah. we, we, we even have a sporty version of the, of the Camry. Yes, I, I believe they've done that. You're talking about the outside design. I think that's a big difference. I thought the old model looked a bit cumbersome, had a, a lot of angles on it as though it was trying too hard. I think this one looks a more balanced car. Is, is that just me or what? No, it, is, it isn't just you. It's, it's everybody. In fact, uh, more by accident by, than by design on our drive program the other day, Toyota actually parked the brand new car next to the outgoing model. And even though they look, they are pretty much identical cars under the skin, the skin makes a hell of a difference in this case. Let me tell you, it, it makes the car look, look really, really good. It's the best looking Camry we've seen since the first one rolled here in 1980, whatever. Interesting times. Brent, lovely to talk to you. Thanks again for your time. David, it's always my pleasure. Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury talking about the new Toyota Camry.
It's just been launched onto the market. And you can hear a longer version by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. We've been talking about the new Camry, which is in the medium class of vehicles below $60,000. Now, the medium-sized cars above $60,000 is a different kettle of fish altogether. The Mercedes C-Class leads this specialist segment. I think of Mercedes cars as great sedans, but I've just been driving their C-Class station wagon, estate to give it their preferred name. Now, station wagons can look pretty boring, but I've got to say, I like the look at this one. Low profile tyres, a low line on the front, and the, the car I had was a reddish maroon colour, with very striking. Now, another person who's been driving the Merck station wagon is Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au. Paul, a practical car can also have a lot of character? It certainly can, David. Um, it's, it's impressive to see that station wagons, or estates as Mercedes-Benz call them, um, are making a bit of a resurgence in some ways, and finally they don't look like old family, old family cars, so they're definitely moving, moving along. I took this one away for a weekend up into the Blue Mountains in Sydney, and um, I parked it outside the uh, motel, and I came out, and there were a couple of people standing around looking at it. And I just think it, it looked like great character. I, I, I thought the colour really helped. It was a strong reddish maroon sort of colour um, and, uh, you know, sort of a, a deep colour to it. I thought that added to its elegance uh, uh, very much so. Yes, it does. Depending where you were parked in the Blue Mountains, they may have been planning to break into it, David. <laughs> I came out and I said to the guy, it looks good, doesn't it? Then I thought, no, he must think I'm being vain because it's my car. <laughs> and, of course, it was uh, belonged to Mercedes-Benz. I, I found it elegant inside, too. The dash had an arching shape over the dials, but that sort of curve, bit of curve continued for the rest of the dashboard right across the passenger side. Yes, indeed. The interior is very similar to the sedan, of course, as you'd expect. Uh, and possibly even a little more functional than you find in the higher specification Mercedes-Benzes. Um, as always with Mercedes-Benz, the quality of the, the materials is impeccable, the quality of the finish is impeccable. Um, it's, it's, an impressive, it's an impressive place to be. Uh, it's got a not overcomplicated, I thought. Not overcomplicated? Sorry, I was just saying it's not overcomplicated. There was, it wasn't um, an excessive number of dials and things to do it, although it did have that sort of mouse operating system that you work the screen rather than a touch screen yes that can be quite difficult in a moving vehicle and unfortunately you know even though we're, we're told not to use those things when you're moving quite often you don't have any option you you have to do some changes mm. and the mouse well it'd be like trying to be like trying to work on your laptop computer in a moving car it's not the easiest thing to do um, no, I, I, they've got better but i don't know that they've got real good no it's it's I don't know if it's necessary. This is, it's one of those things that is a bit of a fad at the moment, and we may find in, you know, in time to come that we move back to a more sensible, practical, easier-to-use system. Um, the other thing I find with the Mercedes-Benz is the, the infotainment screen, which stands proud of the dashboard, doesn't actually look like it was 
it belongs. It looks like a bit of an afterthought. Um, yes, it sticks up like a uh, you know like a mohawk haircut in a way, really, doesn't it? It does rather. On the other hand, the head-up display works better than in a lot of other vehicles. That's that's with the information projected onto the onto the windscreen, the inside of the windscreen. Mm-hmm. Um, as always with Mercedes-Benz, they've thought it through quite well. It's it's intuitive to use. It's easy to read. It, it gives you the information you need without, again, as you say, being overly complicated or overly 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 fussy. Yes. Yeah, I think that uh, car companies have had to come to grips with the fact that when it becomes fussy, as you say, a good word, it really becomes almost dangerous as you try and manipulate something to your end when really what you want is one or two simple buttons. Exactly. Um, you know, you and I have discussed this before, but a circular a circular knob to increase the temperature or reduce the temperature of the you know, the climate control, for example, is so yeah. much simpler than having to press a, an up or down arrow on a, on a screen. And yeah. um, you know, it's automatic. It's obvious. You know, if you're turning it to the right, it's going up, but if you're turning it to the left, it's going down. Um, you don't have to take your eyes off the road. But when you do, then have to use a touch screen or indeed a mouse. Um, you do have to sort of stop and think about what you're doing. We tend to be very critical of, of vehicles because, you know, in, in our case, we don't spend a lot of time with them. And we should remember, mm. of course, that most owners will, after a week or two or three, become very mm. comfortable with where things are and how they operate. But yeah. things like a mouse-operated screen or, or even a touch screen to some extent don't become that much easier to deal with over time. Paul, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. And that's Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au and we were talking about the Mercedes C-Class station wagon and you can hear a longer interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. And it's our discussion panel time where we talk about some issues to do with motoring and transport. And once again, I'm joined by Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Uh, Now, Errol, you can lead us with the story. Have you ever bowed to peer pressure? Well, you're about to, and it is all about how much you drive. The University of Victoria, and uh, no, not that one, the one in British Columbia, Uh, did an experiment where a group of drivers logging their trips were told one of three things. They were told nothing, or they were told that 4% of other people from their group reduced their driving, or the big one was that uh, one in four others had switched from a car to a more sustainable transport option. The results of this uh, sort of, um, uh, you know... A bit of a tricking of their of what they're thinking uh, showed a clear relationship between the amount of peer pressure and a reduction in car use. So if you feel pressured to take the bus, now you know how they're doing it. This is a very interesting approach. I think perhaps what they should have said is the managing director has changed and then you would have watched a whole pile of people follow suit as well. Certainly his executive. Oh, okay, the leadership style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a guy, a mate of mine who used to facilitate uh, planning sessions in conferences and he went into a planning session one day and uh, he just noticed under the table that the CEO 
when they first went in in the morning, had no socks on. Uh, after morning tea, every one of his senior executives had no socks on. <laughs> so what did the CEO turn to the others and say, someone's stealing your socks as well? <laughs> yes. I can't get my socks washed. <laughs> is, is, is this a, a small version of, of the CEO has no clothes? Or? <laughs> they recruited 78 people in this test. That's not a huge number. I must confess, but there is a thing of trying to get a community and, and, and the sort of community pressure of it. I, I was at a conference not long ago and uh, they talked of an example where they communicated with a community group about how much walking they did and they recorded on their phones using the standard app of how far you walked and everyone put in the amount they were walking and entered it into a general database. And so at the end of three months, they could say, as a community, we have walked 25 kilometres or, or things like that. And so it became something that you were doing as part of the community. And it proved Rather to be very Rather than individual effective. competition. Mm. Here, this is mm. what Errol's talking about is, of course, trying to keep up with, with others, you know, keeping mm. up with the Joneses sort of stuff. Well, I presume yes. there was an option even in this test of saying who was doing the most. Not really. I mean, they were, they were measuring that. Um, no, but, I'm, I'm um, sorry, but, but I meant in, in, not the test we're talking about, the, the one I just mentioned from the conference, you know, that there was oh, a, yes, a, yes, an yes. opportunity of doing it. But, but you're right. Uh, you wonder how long this will last and whether you can't keep sort of doing things like this person is doing it the most or whatever. Can you keep up with them? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. I like this idea. I like that... Um, there's two elements to it, isn't it? As you say, there's this sort of community thing where you're not shamed, but um, you know you feel you're part of a group of people, and therefore you don't want to let the rest of the group down. Uh, and the other part is just um, the lying part. <laughs> so, <laughs> if if everybody's yes. lying about the amount of uh, driving they're doing, then um, you know, I'm not sure what the results are. Now, a colleague okay. of mine. Uh, claimed that in a UK town, uh, practically no one was walking to school and she got up to 98% by simply putting a chart on the wall and giving a gold star to whoever walked to school. <laughs> so perhaps, perhaps there's that sort of thing. The other one is that they are paying people every time they ride to school. It might only be a dollar fifty or something. But it just feels good about getting the money, and at the end of the week, you go and buy your friends a cup of coffee or something. You know, Lovely. It, it, it's just doing. Mm. The, other, the other part, too, is getting doctors to be encouraging you to do it. Okay, so this is more the respected sort of. Yes. Uh, we can't show you his face, but that yeah. sort of stuff, though. <laughs> oh, no, you know, in a one to one consultation. Oh, yeah, okay, so take, telling you. Yeah, take no yeah. tablets, but catch the bus in the morning. Catching okay. the bus means incidental walking. You've got to get walking. to the but bus men, stop. Men never do what the doctor tells them to do. <laughs> yes. that's, 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 that's if, they, if they even visit the doctor in the first place. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I, it, could be, it could be used for good, but, uh, of course, marketing companies will use this research for evil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose they will. All right. Well, it's a, an interesting road, uh, well, a transport planning exercise that, 
that uh, peer pressure can help bring about change. Now, here's another story uh, about also about bringing about change. And in this case, Volkswagen started to change the dials, the speedo dials in cars, and put in there things that children had drawn up. Now, they made them still fairly distinct, as they don't want to break the law. And so, but the numbers were colourful numbers, and across the middle of the dial might have been a message like, We love you, Mum. And they reckon that that has produced significant reductions in people speeding. One family reduced their top speed by 19 kilometres an hour, albeit from a maximum of 123 down to 104. Uh, and four, uh, three out of four drivers reduced their incidence of speeding in 100 kilometre hour zones by 50%. That says they still sped, mm. but not as often. Is it a good way, mm. gentlemen? Would you be convinced? Oh, it's a, it's a personalised thing. I kind of like it, David. I like the mm. the idea of um, you being reminded about your children. And, and New Zealand is a place where they do this sort of uh, quite interesting road safety stuff, um, mm. and this is um, where it was tested. Um, I, when I first saw it, it said child customised speedo slows parent drivers. For some reason, I kind of read it as slow children, <laughs> you know, so that you, you, you might be concerned about your child's uh, ability at school. But, um, look, I, I think it's a great idea. It's um, anything to remind you of the consequences of speeding. Mm. Well, I think, that's, I think and, there could and, be other messages, though, like insurance excess is $1,000, you know, you, something that mm. hit, hits your hip pocket nerve. Oh, okay, so when you get to the yeah. sort of speeding area, it starts yeah. calculating what yeah. you, you know, number of points you're going to lose. And, oh, it could be and that. And, of course, in countries like Finland where uh, your your fines, your speeding fines are proportional to your salary, Yes. Um, you know, yes. fines can be, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. I think my mm. kid would write message across like, can we stop at McDonald's? Or are, are we there we, yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every day, yeah. Well, just just to be clear, it's actually drawn by the individual, um, by the kids, chil- yes, chil- yeah. children of the parent. So it's not yes, a generic yeah. kitty looking one. It's actually driven, uh, drawn by their children. Yes, that's right. It's personalised, isn't it? Um, it's very yeah. neat. Yeah. It's part of the sort of thing. While so, you're waiting six months for the car to be made <laughs> and shipped to you in you know, midnight blue, yeah. you may as well customise as much of this yeah. stuff done as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so I know a friend that waited 12 months for a Volkswagen to be delivered. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really good one. Um, apparently, if you set the speed limiter in the car, uh, rather than a beep, it goes, wah, wah, and your child's <laughs> cry. Yeah, or, or, again, a doctor saying your medical bill will be. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a possibility. Gentlemen, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, And that's Errol Smith and Brian Smith, and we were talking some quirky news in the wonderful world of motoring and transport here on Overdrive. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, Paul Morell, Brent Davidson and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>